Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Well, the past few weeks we've been preaching this little mini-series called Reach One, and we've been encouraging you as a group of God's people to be inviting folks to church. Last week, we sort of expanded that a little bit, and we talked about what does it mean to be a friendly church. We talked about guest services a little bit and what it means to be friendly to those who have come through the doors of our church and minister to them. And uh, I want to sort of remind you of what Tom Rainer said. I think I shared this in the first sermon, but let me just remind you of these statistics. 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if asked or invited. So think about that. 82% of the people out there who don't go to church are saying they're more likely to come to church if they get a personal invite. That's why we've been encouraging you and asking you over the past month to invite people to come and to be a part. Um, But here's a sad reality. 98% of us who go to church never extend not even an invitation to anyone in a given year. So it's not that it's not maybe once a month, but in a given year, 98% of the people that sit on the pews in their own church don't even invite people to their own church. That's a sad reality, isn't it? I mean, we ought to be inviting folks to our church. Um, You know, I don't don't know about you, but I don't want us to be bound by those statistics. I don't want that to be said of our church. Amen? Amen? I I want First Baptist Church of Love Plains to be a church that extends invites and invites people to come and to be a part of our church. Tom Rainer also, in a recent podcast, listen to what he says, he talked about the relationship between inviting people to church and church health. So how healthy is your church? He said in that podcast that the most effective churches, the most healthy churches, are striving to have an annual invitations equal to 10 times their average worship attendance. So take our average worship attendance, 10 times that. The healthy churches, they are trying to get that many invites a year to invite people to church. If that was true of our church, we average 100, uh, uh, excuse me, average 180, 1,800 visits a year. You divide it by 50 because there's two weeks out of the year. Christmas is a difficult time, and there's other times in the year that are difficult. So he said if you average that by 50 weeks, that's 36 invites a week. Certainly, out of all of us sitting in this room, more than 36 of us in the room this morning, if each of us would invite one, we could easily, very easily fill that number quickly, couldn't we? 36 invite. That's pretty easy. Pretty easy for us to do. I like what one writer, this is the way he put it about inviting people to church. He said, and I quote, more people invited me, me, more people invited means more people coming. But I would expand that because I've been telling you, it's not just about inviting people to church. So I would add to that, that the more people invited means more people coming. And it also means more people being exposed to the truth of the gospel. Because here's the priority, and I don't want you to lose this priority. The priority is not just inviting people to church. Although we ought to be inviting people to church. Because if we invite people to church, listen, they're more likely to come if we invite them. At least 82% of them are, which I think is a great number of people. So if we'll invite people to come, they'll come. But we're not inviting them to come so we can say, hey, look, we got all of our pews full. 
Although that would be a glorious thing. Wouldn't it be nice to see next week that all the pews are full and we got to move people up to the balcony and we got to move people into the aisle? Wouldn't that be an awesome experience for us as a church? And it would be. But, but the reality is, if that's what we're focused on, then Easter's going to come. We're going to have a high attendance for Easter and it's going to go right back to what it was. Because that's all we're focusing on is having a high number of people. What we want to focus on is becoming an inviting church to bring more people in every week so there'll be more people that'll be engaged with the priority, and that is the priority is the gospel. Inviting people to church never trumps inviting people to Jesus. Amen? You hear me? It should never trump it. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be an inviting people. We should be. We should be inviting people. We should invite people all around us to come to church. And if we're not doing that, then it's very easy to begin to do that. And we've given you a resource tool this week that you can use through these tickets that you can just give a ticket out to somebody and invite them to come and to be a part of our service. And you never know what one invite, one ticket may do. It could mean an eternity for one person. Think about that. As they come and they hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want to try to be the type of people that are an inviting people that we want to become a church that's an inviting church. Well, how does this look like in the scripture? What does the, the scripture teach us about this? Well, I want you to take your copy of John's gospel and open up to John chapter one. We're, we're having this revealing, this, this gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. Jesus comes onto the scene. And as Jesus comes onto the scene, we get to look into his ministry as he begins his ministry. And we see that there is this inviting culture that begins to happen. And by the way, well, I'll just tell you in a minute. You just hang on to that thought. But there's this inviting culture that seems to happen. And so what I want to do, I want to sort of just walk through the text. And by the way, it doesn't need a lot of explanation because it's very simple text. So we're not going to be in here long today. I know that's the famous last words of a preacher. But the reality is, I don't want to keep you long today because the reality is, I want you to get out and I want you to be excited about that. And I want you to be excited about going and inviting people to come and to be a part of what we're doing here at First Pencil Little Plains. But, but more importantly, that they may come and hear the gospel. And they may find out how they can have eternal life. And so in John's gospel, chapter one, we get this great picture of what it looks like to invite someone to Jesus by inviting them to find Jesus in John chapter one, verse 43 and through verse 51. Listen to the text and then I'm going to just break it down for you. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Sound very familiar? Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> good question. And Philip said to him, Come and see. There's the invite. Come and see. In verse 47, so Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Well, he's supernatural. Jesus said, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. (laughs) So Jesus said, before I saw you, I saw you. 
Okay, and he says, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I have said this to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? He said, you will see greater things than these. And he said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Think about this text, this invite that happens. It, it, it does take a natural course. First of all, notice as you look at the text, just notice in verse 43, there is first of all, Jesus calling Philip. So Jesus calls him. Jesus is wanting to go into Galilee, but he runs into this guy named Philip. And notice what it says, simply he just says, follow me. Same thing he says to Peter and John, follow me. It is a, it is a call to lay down his life for the cause of Christ. And we know what happened to Philip because it's the same thing that Peter and John did. They left everything behind and they followed Jesus. And when we look at the life of Philip, what a, what a great response that he would pick up the mantle of this calling of Jesus Christ upon his life. And he would follow Jesus. But not only would he follow Jesus, listen, he would bring people to Jesus. Think about that. First of all, I want you to see, as he is called by the Lord and he responds in faith to this calling upon his life and he becomes one of those disciples, one of those big A apostles, as he becomes one of those men who will be a leader, a foundational leader for the church. I want you to understand something, folks. You must begin there. Before you can invite anyone to faith in Christ, you must first be one who has faith in Christ. Amen? You must be one who has tasted that the Lord is good, that, that he has redeemed your soul, that you have by faith repented of your sin and trusted in Christ and him alone for salvation. Realizing that his death on the cross was your death, your sentence, your sin was nailed to him on the cross. He died, but he rose again on the third day. And listen, that is your redemption. You're not trusting in good works. You're not trusting in being a Baptist. You're not trusting in being a good person. You're solely trusting in the fact that Jesus Christ paid it all, as the old song says. And so Philip was this guy who followed and answered the call of Christ upon his life to follow him, to lay down his life. And follow him. He said, he didn't say that in the text. Yes, he did. When he said, follow me, Jesus saying, lay it all down. Come after me. Follow me. Go where I go. Be where I am. And I tell you, folks, is that not the call of salvation to be where he is? Amen. Let's not forget that eternal life is not an ideology. Eternal life is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we are called to, to receive this eternal life by faith in what he has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Before we have any right to go and preach the gospel to someone else, before we have any right just to invite them to church, the question we need to ask in our own hearts is, am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Do I believe that Jesus saved me? Now on the flip side of that coin, can I just tell you that those of us who have received the Lord Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior, we have not only the right, but we have the responsibility to go forth and to invite other people. You remember what 
Jesus told Peter and John, follow me and I will what? I will make you fishers of men. Do you think the mandate for Philip was any less? Do you think the mandate for us is any less? I don't think it is. I think the mandate's the same. I don't think Jesus ever changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's saying, oh, that's said of God. He's God. He doesn't change. And the mandate that he put on them is the mandate he puts upon us. That we ought to make people hear the gospel. Tell them about the gospel. That we are fishers of men. We're out there engaged and involved and concerned about the souls of people all around us. And so Philip answers this call. And he comes to Jesus and he follows him. And there's where you and I must begin today. And if we are believers, I think the natural step, the next step is as we're following Jesus, we're telling about Jesus. Amen? And that's what he does, right? Notice what happens next. Philip invites Nathaniel to Jesus. Notice the text. He says in verse 44, Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Then listen what it says. And Philip found Nathaniel... So he went and he searched for him. He, he found Nathaniel, his buddy, his compadre, a friend. He finds him and he says to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found the Messiah. We found God's son. We found truth. And he's excited about that. And in that excitement, what does he do? He finds Nathaniel and he tells him, hey, everything that's been promised to us through Moses and the prophets is coming to reality because Jesus, the Nazarene, the son of Joseph is here. Now he's not trying to take away from the the fact that Jesus is divine, but Jesus was also 100% man, wasn't he? He walked here physically on this earth He was very real, amen? And let me tell you something, folks. He died a real death on the cross. Did he feel the pain? You betcha. The agony? You betcha. He knows what it's like. He knows what it's like. He went through all of that for us. And so he says he finds him, and then notice as he invites him, Nathaniel says to him, verse 46, kind of funny, he says, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, Now, Philip was from Cana. He was about 10 miles to the north. And, and, and so you can imagine, you know, it's like these rivalries. These cities are, are having these rivalries. And so Nazareth was sort of the poor side of the tracks. And so down in this poor side of the tracks, Nathaniel says, is there anything really good can come out of that little old town? That, you know, that little rundown, beat up place? Can anything good really come from there? Is it possible that that God would bring from a place that is obscure and has nothing, someone so important, somebody so crucial, somebody who will really save the world? Is it possible? Well, is it? It is a reality because notice the text goes on and Philip just says to him, come and see. That's what it's about, folks. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see. What what do we do when we're inviting people to church? We're, we're like Philip. We're saying, come and see. Come and see what? How great our worship team is? No. No. We've got a good worship team. Come and hear how great our preacher can preach? No, it's not about hearing the preacher preach. You know, come and see our, our new redesigned front of our church? 
No, it's not, not about the decor. You know, it's about Jesus. And so when I go out and I invite people to come to church, I'm not trying to sell the church. I'm trying to engage them for Jesus. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Notice Philip didn't say, hey, let's go walk by the sea and check out Jesus and these other guys and let's have this conversation. No, he's saying simply, listen, I can't really explain it to you. You got to come and see for yourself. And so he says, come and see. I like what one commentator reminds us is that, that, that there is, Philip is one torch who's on fire for Jesus who lights another. It's you and I passing the light along. It's, it's what Paul says in Romans, that it's grace upon grace upon grace. That you and I have been given this opportunity as the followers of Jesus Christ to be light in this world. And we have the opportunity to lead people to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. Specifically the need of salvation. If we will but shine the light and shine the way and point the way. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to invite people here. Amen? This is a place where life change can happen. Did you know that? This is a hospital for the soul. We want people to come who are broken and cast down and who are in need of salvation, who are in need of Christ. We want people desperate. Why? Because we have hope. We have the truth. And listen, they can experience true life here through Christ. What a great opportunity we have. But sometimes that opportunity is lost because we don't invite. I don't know how many of y'all have ever heard the name Steve Gaines, but Steve Gaines and I used to be friends back a long time ago before he became a bigwig. And he's uh, the pastor at Bellevue Baptist now. He replaced Adrian Rogers. And I'll never forget, though, one time Steve was telling a story about a, a man who lived on the edge of the parking lot of their church. He, he had a house. It was just literally just the street divided the house and the parking lot of the church. And Steve shared the story about this guy. And, and I can't remember the, the facts about how the guy ended up at church, but he ended up at church and, and somehow he and Steve were in a conversation and, and he, and he told Steve, he said, for years I lived in this house on the edge of the parking lot of the church and not one single person ever stopped and invited me to come on the edge of the parking lot of the church and not one person stopped and invited him to come. Wow. The church ought to at least invite our own neighbors to come to church. Amen? Think about that. And I remember Steve telling that story, and it was an evangelism class, and Steve said, you know, guys, he said, sometimes we get so busy thinking about strategy that we forget about people. And that's so true. Listen, there's not a strategy other than going and telling whether you use a gospel track or whether you share your testimony or whether you use the four spiritual laws or whether, whether you use EE or whatever else is maybe out there that you may have ever heard of or been trained in, the only thing that's going to work is actually using what you know. And that's exactly what Philip did. Philip went to Nathaniel and he said, hey guy, let me tell you something. 
we found Jesus. We found the Messiah. And he goes, really? I mean, really, you have? I mean, can, can any really, can, can a Messiah come from that little dirt hole of a place called Nazareth? And all he says to him is, come check it out. Come see. Now, folks, I don't think that's that hard. To invite people to come and to see what God is doing. There are a lot of people sitting in these pews. Your lives have been changed by the gospel. Radically changed some of you. Wow. Isn't it amazing the testimony when people walk through and they come to the door and they see a people that love each other and they love on them and they point the way to Jesus. We're the light. You know the rest of the story. Read the rest of the story. It says that Nathaniel shows up, right? And Jesus, when he sees him, says he's a, an Israelite indeed in which there is no beguile. In other words, he's saying he's, he's a legit Israelite. Not just the fact that he has a bloodline, but more importantly, he's living the reality of the principles of the Old Testament. See, you remember the Pharisees, right? Those guys, they were living in pretense, hypocrisy. They were living in a way where they said, this is what you do, but did the opposite. They put burdens on the backs of people. But Nathaniel was this guy who was a true Israelite. And the fact that he lived to the principle of the matter. When it says in the Old Testament law that you shall not have any other gods before me, he didn't. When Jesus talked about the thrust of the matter of the law, when he says that don't commit adultery, Nathaniel didn't, but Nathaniel took it to the next level and said, neither will I look at a woman with lust in my heart. That's what he means. He's a, an Israelite indeed. He's a, he's a man who's upstanding. Great character. Living to the principle of the law. And Nathaniel says, how do you, how do you know me? We've never met. How do you know me? And he says to him, when you were under the fig tree before Philip came and found you. I, I saw you there. Jesus giving us, by the way, his omniscience, helping us to understand that he sees everything. He knows everything. Isn't that awesome that Jesus, even in his flesh, was still God? And so he, he sees him and right, a right reaction of Nathaniel's what? Man, that's cool. No. Nathaniel's cut to the heart. And the Bible says that he believed him. And he says, you are indeed the Christ, the Son of God. In other words, he said, you're the Messiah. You're the Savior. Now, what if Philip wouldn't have went and found him? Someone said, oh, he'd have got saved eventually somewhere along the line. But isn't it great that somebody cared enough for him to go find him, to bring him to Jesus, that he could meet him? Aren't you? I mean, don't you think Nathaniel's probably appreciative of his friend Philip bringing him to the Messiah, the one that they just anticipated and longed for for all these years, finally here? Certainly so. And what's Jesus' response? Jesus saves him. He becomes a believer. He becomes a follower of Christ. By faith, he becomes a follower of Christ. Is it important to invite people to church? I think it's pretty important. For the health of our church, we want our church to be healthy, but it's also important because we have this opportunity for people to see the gospel. 
I can't say that enough. I can't say that enough. So as we wind it down, as we come to a conclusion, let me just ask you a couple of questions. First of all, what are you doing to bring more people to church? Not your neighbor, not a person across the sanctuary this morning, but what are you doing? Again, it's not a focus on the numbers. It's a focus on the opportunity for them to hear the gospel. Second question is this, who are you inviting What is the name of that person? Who are you inviting to come and to be a part? Or who have you invited? Because you know what? Easter's next Sunday. What a great opportunity to invite them to a a large event that we're going to have. That's going to be, you know, a full concentration on the, the the risen Savior who can save. What a great opportunity. You're saying, well, how do I invite somebody? Well, it's very practical. Face-to-face, you can just go to somebody and invite them to somebody you know. You can give them one of these tickets. You can phone call somebody. You can text somebody. Isn't it great? We did that a few weeks ago. You remember we text somebody in church? And uh, how, many of y'all, how many of y'all did that? This is a show of hands. And how many texts did you get back? Anybody get a text back? Yeah, see, I mean, you, you never know what you're going to be able to see happen. Social media, we've been using social media as a great way. So just invite them. Let me, let me, just, let me just help you out a little bit. Maybe you invited somebody to church. You know what you can do next week? Why don't you invite them to meet you at the huddle house earlier in the morning and eat breakfast together, buy them breakfast, and bring them to church together. Make sure when you come to church, you sit with them. Amen? Isn't that a novelty? (laughs) Meet them on the parking lot. Wait for them. You know, meet them on the parking lot so they don't have to walk in by themselves. You know, so that you can show them where to go. You know, there's a lot of ways, a lot of different things we can do. You can go to Facebook and you can... Uh, find our video ad and you can text it to them. The link, text the link to them so they can see the video ad. Some of you think, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. See Tim after church, he'll tell you. <laughs> All right, or one of these young people in the front here, they'll know better than, we, than me even. I, I struggle with that stuff. But it's up to us to invite. I can't invite everybody. I can only invite those that I know around me. And I've been trying to invite and go and ask people to come and to be a part. Tim and I have been talking to the young lady at the coffee shop. We go to the coffee shop three or four times a week, and we're trying to get her to come. You know, we, we, we're inviting just different kinds of people. I sat down at a table. Tim will tell you. I sat down at a table just this week with a young boy. And I, I sat down at the table and saw he was, had a Mac computer. And I, here's what I did. I just said, hey, man, you a big Mac user? Oh, you know, I use this. I said, well, I'm having, having a little issue with my Mac. You know, could you tell me about it? You know, and that's how I engaged him. That's how I engaged him. You know, use, use things around you to engage people and ask them to be a part. So we're doing it. Tim and I are out there. We're doing it too as a staff. So let me, let me just finish it by saying next week is big. We want to invite people to come be a part. Now, if we do invite everybody to come, how, how awesome is that going to be? That means hopefully you signed up to volunteer somewhere. And if you haven't, on the outside, when you go inside the, the foyer, on the right side, there's a big information green banner on that side of the foyer, there's three sheets there. You can sign up to still be involved and engage to help us. And what we're going to do is next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, we're going to have a breakfast. And that breakfast is going to be continental. So don't come expecting huge, but it's going to be a continental breakfast. But we want to feed all of our volunteers and just have a little pep rally and just get ready. The other thing we're going to do to prepare ourselves, Wednesday night. I don't know if you can be here Wednesday night. Meet here in the sanctuary. We're going to meet at 6 on Wednesday night, we're going to pray over our facilities. 
You say, do what? We've never done that before. Well, we're going to do it, okay? We're going to have a prayer meeting. We're going to pray. And I'll lead that, and I'll tell you what we're going to do Wednesday night. But come Wednesday night at 6, and we're going to pray over our facilities. The other thing we need to do is, when you have company coming to your house, you do straighten up a little bit, right? Unless they're unexpected. When they're unexpected, if you're like me, we visit on the porch. <laughs> Amen? We got four-year-olds in our house, and sometimes we got, you know, the big old blocks in the middle of the living room floor. We're not going to invite people in to trip on blocks. So we'll visit on the porch. But on Saturday, this coming Saturday, we're going to 8 o'clock. We're going to be working here at the church. And we're going to just do some spring cleaning kind of items. There's some things that need to be done. If you want to know what those are, you know, see me afterward. But everything from, you know, working with ceiling fans that, you know, Gail can't reach. So we're going to try to clean ceiling fans to, you know, we got some stuff out here in front of the building that we need to clean up, make it look nice. You know, we don't want, we don't want to look junky. Amen. So we're going to be doing that. So you have these opportunities to come and to be respond and to be involved and engaged and all that's going to be taking place this week and next week. And how awesome is it going to be? Now, let me conclude by saying one last thing. As we think about being friendly and we think about people coming to the church, I've had a couple of comments on my t-shirt this morning. And uh, I did that on purpose. I wore a t-shirt. Two reasons why. One is because uh, it's a gift that was given to me by Tara Lovelace. She made this, actually. And uh, I appreciate her doing that for me. And if you want to know what it says, uh, you can see me afterward. But one of the things I want to remind you of is next week, as people come to church, I want you to know that dressing up for church in coat and ties and nice pink dresses is not the thing that it used to be. Now, there may be people that will come next week to our service in t-shirts and jeans. Or somebody may come in a t-shirt and shorts. That shouldn't be an issue to us, okay? So if you see somebody like that, that shouldn't be an issue, all right? Because we don't care how people are dressed in the church, as long as they're decent. I mean, we don't want them exposed, obviously. But as long as people are decent, we don't care what they look like to come into church. Amen? You all in agreement with that? And lastly, let me remind you too, remember we're going to sit in the front and in the middle when we come to church. And next week when we park our cars, we're going to park in the field. And we're going to park around the building and we'll have, we'll have guys directing all that. We want to say the parking along the front of the side of the building right here is for guests. The next slots over are going to be all for guests. So all those spots right in that area are for guests. Now, here's the beauty of it is God works things out. We have somebody who owns a limo golf cart. You don't have to walk if you park out. We're going to drive you up and bring you up, okay? So isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? We're actually going to have two golf carts here. So you won't have to walk. So if you're a senior adult and you want to park out in the field, then please do. We'll pick you up, all right? And we'll bring, you, we'll bring you up here to the church. We'll drop you off out front and take you back to your car at the end. That's a pretty good deal, I think. So uh, come be a part of what we're doing, all right? Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.